Welcome to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, brought to you by Advertising Expressions, Creative Theater, Akita Express, and Encore Theatrical Company. Visit us online at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Drop us an email at 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Become a patron of the show at patreon.com forward slash 30 nerdy podcast thanks for tuning in hope you enjoy the show and now sit back relax and get ready to nerd out with your hosts josh davis and tyler mcdaniel What's up, nerds and nerdettes? This is the podcast where everyone knows your name. I can't do it. You know my tag team partner, he's under the weather. And I just cannot do the regular entrance without the PhD here. So, I'm going to try to keep it on theme though. So, um, we're just going to try it this way. For the benefit of those with headphones. For the thousands in attendance and the millions and millions of the Pods fans around the world, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the podcast where everyone knows your name. Cheers to ya. And as always, I am the nerd praising Nerdledge raisin, DC craving, nerditude making, son of a gun. Woo! The Mac. Man, it just feels weird without someone sitting here saying, all right, all right, take it down a notch, take it down a notch, you charismatic son of a gun, you. You good-looking host with the most hotter-than-French toast coming at your coast-to-coast. Ah, you nerd. Well, I do miss Josh. Uh, hopefully he will he will get to feeling better soon. And we will get some structure back to this show. Um, so, uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about wrestling. Um, SummerSlam was yesterday. Uh, it was this past Sunday. And... Um, we're going to break it down a little bit. I got a chance to sit down with a local legend of wrestling, whether it would be Smoky Mountain Wrestling, um, WCW, uh, WWF, uh, a local guy who who had been in the business for years. Um, and, and I got to sat, sit down with him and uh, talk the business with him. So I'm excited to share that with you all. Um, and... I really want I to really thank, want to thank our patrons again and thank every one of you all 
seriously, thank you for all the likes and shares and comments. Um, you are what makes this podcast keep going. Uh, without you all, there is no nerds. There's no us. There's no 30 and nerdy. So uh, thank you. And I also want to thank our sponsors. Uh, I want to thank Advertising Expressions. Zach, uh, he goes above and beyond uh, every single day he is texting us with some new idea or or just helping us with our brand and and thank you zach so much uh encore theatrical uh, everyone over at encore um uh listening and uh just being a part of our lives uh big also big thank you to robert and the people over there at creative theater for talking about us and and uh sharing us and all that fun stuff. And of course, our favorite restaurant in Morristown, Akita Express. We are very thankful for them uh, sponsoring the podcast as well. Uh, like we have told you a thousand times, nine times out of ten, we will always choose Akita to refuel the nerd engine, if you will. It is absolutely fantastic. Uh, we absolutely love them over there at Akita. Uh, ten out of ten would definitely recommend um, so, uh, also we're going to have another contest coming up very soon, and Akita has graciously donated an amazing prize to our, uh, part of the prize that you will be winning in the contest, uh, so be looking out for that soon. So, how about we get into some news? All right. So, a uh, little bit of news for this week. At the TCA Summer Press Tour, Showtime made another casting announcement for its upcoming live-action Halo TV series based on the iconic video game franchise. This newcomer will join actor Pablo Schreiber, who has already been cast as Master Chief. Uh, that was announced back in April, of course. The new Catherine. The new uh, casting is Natasha McKellen. I think I'm butchering that, who will be playing not only Dr. Halsey from the video game series, uh, who created the Spartan Project, but she will also be voicing the famous AI, Cortana. Uh, very excited for that. I loved the Halo franchise, and I cannot wait to see it. I, I guess this is the be- you know, they had the Peter Jackson on-again, off-again movie. This is the next best thing. So it sounds like they're taking the casting serious. And uh, it will. the series is supposed to appear in the first quarter of 2021. Uh, Resident Evil, Netflix original show, has been confirmed. That's exciting, uh, especially since they finally finished off the movie franchise. Uh, moving forward with that scary, scary video game-based uh, show. Uh, trailer for the Titans Season 2 dropped in it. We got to see a new look on Raven, uh, that more iconic look. Uh, also, we got to see Ian Glenn's Bruce Wayne. Uh, we got to see Superboy, Deathstroke, and even Crypto. Uh, this looks uh, fantastic. I cannot wait. Um, I'm going to have to kick Josh's butt into getting on Season 1 quick. Uh, Jack Kirby's New Gods comics are getting the big screen live action movie. Uh, the first one is in pre-production, and it has been confirmed that, yes, Darkseid is in it. You cannot have the new God storyline without Darkseid. So it has been confirmed. Um, this uh, next little bit of news is is massive crisis on Infinite Earths news from DC Television. Kevin Conroy has joined the cast of Crisis on Infinite Earths as Bruce Wayne. 
That's right. He is going to be playing the version, the Kingdom Come version, apparently, of Bruce Wayne slash Batman. And we're going to get another Batman who has not been casted yet uh, from a different Earth. Uh, he has also been joined by Smallville's version of Lex Luthor. Will be played by Michael Rosenbaum. Now let's 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 tally this. We've got the Arrowverse characters: Burt Ward as Old Man Robin, Kevin Conroy as Batman from Kingdom Come story arc. A separate Batman from another Earth that's being kept secret. Brandon Ruth returning as Superman. Tyler Hochflin, I think is how you pronounce his name, is appearing as Superman as well. Michael Rosenbaum is Lex Luthor. And there are other legends still in talks with DCTV about appearing in the show. Please, Mark Hamill, please. I'm very excited for this. Um, And now, sadly... um, we 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 did lose a wrestling legend in the business. Harley Race passed away last week, and and that is extremely sad uh, because he really paved the way uh, for people like Triple H. Um, and he just he was an amazing wrestler. And uh, the the friend of mine that I got to sit down and talk to uh, earlier, um, he he actually has a story about Harley Race, and uh, it's very. Uh, it's a very good story. Uh, so, you know what? That is your news. All right, now it is time to talk nerdy to you. So, normally I do this whole nerd vocabulary word thing, uh, but since we are with wrestling uh, as this week's subject, um, and in our, our interview later, you're going to hear uh, our friend say some terminology that you may not understand. Uh, the, the basic listener who's not, you know, really into wrestling would probably not understand. So what we're going to, I'm going to do is I'm going to give you five terms. Now, I've already given you two in previous episodes, heel and face. Um, face being the good guy, heel being the bad guy. So here are five more terms in the wrestling world that one should know. There's angle. What an angle is, is an event or series of events that occurs between wrestlers. Uh, basically, um, what this means is uh, it's, it's like occurrences that are part of a storyline involving two or more characters. Uh, one that comes to mind is um, they started a storyline between Shane McMahon and Kane by Kane attacking Shane's mom, Linda. Uh, back in the day, and that set up a match between Shane and Kane at uh, Unforgiven, I believe it was. Uh, and that's your first one, Angle. Um, two, Gassed Up. What Gassed Up is, is it's a term used to describe someone uh, who may be using, you know, let's just be honest, steroids. Maybe using steroids. Um, this term has been used to describe those like Hulk Hogan, Scott Steiner, uh, even the great Triple H. Uh, and of course, you know, others greats as like The Rock have been, you know, accused of gassing up. Uh, so now you have angle and you have gassed up. The next one is called go home. Now, no, you're not telling someone to leave the building. What go home means in the wrestling business is it's an instruction uh, that wrestlers between each other, a wrestler gives another wrestler uh, or the ref. The ref also is. Very intricate to controlling a match. So either the ref or another wrestler will tell you to go home. That means to end the match. Uh, the, whatever ending is planned, that is you ending the match. 
So, uh, you've got angle, gassed up, and go home. Only two more. Heat. Heat is used to describe two things in the wrestling business, actually. Uh, The crowd reaction. Uh, For instance, a good guy may have good heat. A bad guy would have bad heat. And the other terminology that this is used to describe is um, heat backstage. Now, heat backstage is not choreographed heat. Uh, If someone has backstage heat, they legitimately in real life have an issue with one another. Uh, For instance, years ago, in real life, Edge and Matt Hardy's current girlfriend, Lita, had an affair. So that caused true heat between Matt Hardy and the wrestler Edge. Now, ever since then, they've buried it, the hatchet. Uh, Neither one of them are with Lita now. (laughs) So uh, that actually caused true heat backstage. Um, Your last one is Mark. And no, not a gentleman you may know from school. Mark is a term to use. uh, It originally was described to basically describe a person who is truly bought in to what is going on. Um, they, They don't know of the kayfabe. They, they are truly bought into what's going on is real. It's still real to them, darn it. And they are just so invested in what's going on and truly believe uh, that side of the business uh, aspect. Uh, it's also been used to talk about a fan, like someone who's really into a certain fan base. For instance, a uh, uh, big Steve Austin fan would be called a Steve Austin Mark. If you're a fan of this podcast, you'd be called a 30 and nerdy mark. Uh, So those are your five WWE, WWF, wrestling, whatever organization you may align to. Um, Those are your your terminology. Angle, gassed up, go home, heat, and mark. Um, So that is your uh, nerdcabulary words for this episode. Um, And you will hear them definitely, some of them later on uh, when we have our sit down with our uh, special guest. Uh, So, uh, let's continue and break it down on wrestling. So, uh, let's talk about a little bit of the timeline. Um, The history of professional wrestling as like a uh, performing art... um, it started actually in the early 20th century um, for like a fun fair variety of strong men and wrestling performances, which often involved, of course, fixing the match. Um, in the 19th century, uh, that was huge. Um, professional wrestling as a popular form of entertainment uh, became really popular uh, in the 19th century out uh, in Australia, North America, Latin America, Europe. Japan, um, all over those uh, countries, um, it was kind of a combination of two styles. Uh, the freestyle and the Greco-Roman wrestling. Greco-Roman was based on uh, like British bare-knuckling and uh, continental tradition, uh, respective wrestling. Um, but uh, it also became, you know, it was obviously popular... Also in the colleges and things like that, like NCAA. Uh, for instance, you'll see a ton of wrestlers in the WWE or professional wrestling as an entertainment business have that college wrestling as a background. 
so really wrestling has been around. It's even an Olympic sport now. Um, so the separation of uh, what you would call worked or uh, purely performing choreographed wrestling. Yes, some people use the, the F word, which fake. Um, it really started gaining a lot of steam in the 1920s. Um, its popularity declined, obviously, during World War II, uh, but it was revived in the late 40s and 50s. Um, some would say the first golden age of professional wrestling was in the United States during the uh, Gorgeous George era. Um, and in Mexico and Japan, the 1940s and 1950s is when it kind of uh, also caught on with, like, uh, in Mexico, Santo was their big uh, performer, and uh, uh, I'm butchering this, Rikudosen uh, was the Japan's uh, big face of the industry. Um, there was actually kind of a marked decline uh, in public interest in the 70s and early 80s, uh, but with the uh, addition of cable television in the mid-80s, there followed a second age, or the, the second golden age, of uh, what the U.S. experienced a professional wrestling boom. Uh, those were when you had the characters of like Andre the Giant and Randy Savage and Ric Flair and most notably Hulk Hogan. You know, the the one who like told you to say your prayers and eat your vitamins, brother. And your brother, 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 brother. That's the only way he talked, you know, and he ripped his shirt and he had pythons this big, brother. And uh, he was like the epitome of professional wrestling when I was a kid. It was Hulkamania running wild all over you. What you gonna do, brother? And and then you had, you know, Ric Flair was like the ultimate bad guy wooing all over the place. The limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, wheeling, dealing, you know, kiss stealing, you know, woo! I mean, this was what people like me as a kid and, and even older than me were raised on in the professional wrestling world. And then that's when you started to get these ridiculous storylines. Um, television also helped many wrestlers break into mainstream media, becoming influential celebrities and icons. Um, for instance, like now, you know, you've seen Hulk Hogan in movies, Stone Cold, The Rock, John Cena, Triple H. They're actors now. They've, they've kind of moved their way into mainstream media. And none of that would have been possible without professional wrestling in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. None of that. You would not have Dwayne Johnson without the character The Rock in the squared circle. Um, wrestling's popularity boomed when independent enthusiasts uh, unified and their media outlets grew in number and became an international phenomenon in the 80s. Um, you had the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation, um, which now is the WWE that's a long story because there was a lawsuit with the World Wildlife Foundation and the World Wrestling Foundation. Well, the animals, they won. So it's now the WWE, the World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, throughout the 90s, you had, I would say, the greatest era of wrestling, the Attitude Era. You had the wars uh, between WWE and WCW. Now, ECW was on the side here thinking Extreme Championship Wrestling. They thought they were part of that war. That was a joke. The Monday Night Wars were like the epitome of wrestling when I was a kid. You had 
WWE and and WCW airing on the same night at the same time and trying to one-up one another. And some of these were my most early memories. I mean, you know, WCW, you know, I remember when the NWO formed in the mid-90s. And it was the first time that Hulk Hogan had ever been a bad guy. The greatest hero. Picture, if you're not a wrestling nerd but you're a comic book nerd... Picture the time that they released the comic book series of when Captain America went Hydra. Picture that. Picture Superman turning into a villain. Picture your greatest hero. The one you always looked up to. The one that anytime he was around you felt safe. Picture your greatest hero becoming the villain. That sent shockwaves through the wrestling universe for us as kids uh, and even adults. I mean, people went, go back and check this out. Look up YouTube and, say, and search Hulk Hogan turns heel or turns bad or the NWO formed. People were so bought into him as a hero and bought into what was going on that, that they were throwing chairs and beer cans and food and anything they could into the ring because they truly were so bought in that they were betrayed by the Hulkster. I mean, truly betrayed. Um, and of course, I also, some of my earliest members, memories uh, is, is HBK winning um, against Bret Hart um, in the mid-90s. And the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, is my all-time favorite. And he's one that I, he's one that I have not gotten to meet yet. And that sucks, but he's my all-time favorite. And someone asked me, you know, knowing that we're going into this episode, they said, rank your top five. Um, and easily, you could have five and six alternating with two others. But as of right now, I would say my top five is HBK, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Edge, and The Rock. Those are my top five. Um, definitely. I mean, again... Ask me tomorrow, and that four or five could switch with who's in my six and seven. So it just depends. It depends on the day, truthfully. Um, so what we're gonna do now is I, I, you know, I, I got to, um, I got to sit down with a friend, with a family friend, and uh, I'm gonna play that later. But some of the names that I've mentioned, you'll. You'll, you'll hear, um, and, and it's very exciting stuff. So, uh, um, let's go ahead and get SummerSlam out of the way. You know what? I, I, actually, yeah. Let's. Uh, I want to. I want to. Want to save the interview for later, um, because I uh, kind of want to. Um, let's just go ahead and get SummerSlam out of the way. Um, let's see. If you watched SummerSlam, uh, you already know all this stuff, um, but. You know, they got these big pre-show now shows now that most pay-per-views now have are like an yeah they say they start at eight, but truthfully on the network it starts at seven and there's now three to four pre-show matches before the show, which is already three hours long. Um, and like this past year's WrestleMania, I think Josh and I watched it. We couldn't even finish it. We were too tired because it was like a six-hour event, and it's just getting absolutely ridiculous. Um, so in the pre-show, 
Uh, we opened with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. They retained their women's tag team titles against the Iconics. Um, you know, I'm going to be honest. Uh, last year, I was I was heavily pushing as a fan for them to finally introduce women's tag team titles because there were some some talents that I I were just fantastic together. And for instance, Sasha and Bailey then becoming the first tag team women's champions. It was just, it was phenomenal. And then they, WWE just crapped on them. And I'm telling you, like, even as a wrestling fan, you will hear me and Josh, and especially if Logan ever chimes in, dog what WWE does a lot. And it's just because, a lot of it's because, you know, Vince has his way and it does not matter who a producer is, who a talent scout is. It does not matter because at the end of the day, it's Vince McMahon's company and he is going to do what he wants to do. That tangent aside, um, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross retained. Um, Buddy Murphy defeated Apollo Crews via DQ uh, because um, Luke Gallows, uh, um, or not Luke Gallows, uh, one of the Wyatt family guys that have been lagging around with Daniel Bryan, the forgotten Wyatt, whatever, uh, he kind of came in and beat the crap out of Buddy Murphy because there's this whole storyline with Roman Reigns going and Buddy Murphy blamed Rowan, that's his name, uh, Rowan, and he just beat him up, so DQ. DQs are very popular in WWE as well. It's so infuriating. Um, Drew Drew Gulak, uh, he retained the Cruiserweight Champion against Oni, and uh, that's not a shock. Uh, you know, a few years ago, me and Logan and Josh, we were... We were clamoring for a cruiserweight division to come back. And then it came back as a tournament, and then they started their own show. And it just has just been bad, to be honest. And nothing exciting about it. And it's a bright purple belt. And it's just, it's ugly. So, we go to the main show, finally. Um, Kevin Owens defeated Shane McMahon. Uh, They've been kind of, it's almost like this reinvention, modernization of the Stone Cold Vince McMahon storyline, except now it's his son Shane, and he's the best in the world, and he's running SmackDown, and now KO, who was a heel a month ago, and now he's a face, all of a sudden going against the boss, and he uses the stunner now, so it's just very recycled, uh, which WWE loves to do. Uh, AJ Styles defeated Ricochet. No shock there. I really enjoy Ricochet. AJ, I just feel bad for him because he's such a great talent and we finally acquired him a few years ago and sometimes I don't think they know what they can do with him. So, uh, The Fiend, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt. Um, they've been doing this Mr. Rogers thing with Bray Wyatt and he talks about The Fiend and this creature... That is not Bray Wyatt, but we all know it is Bray Wyatt with a very creepy looking mask. Uh, he defeated Finn Balor, uh, which it was a good match uh, for SummerSlam between them two. I mean, we've done it before. We've seen Bray and we've seen Finn. We've even seen Bray Wyatt and the Demon Finn. Uh, so now I'm guessing they're building up for the Fiend versus the Demon King. Um, Charlotte Fair, uh, Next, Charlotte Flair defeated Trish Stratus. No shock there, but I really did not care about the match. Um, Then, another match I really didn't care about. One of my favorites today is Dolph Ziggler, but he just jobbed out to Goldberg. 
uh, who, honestly, he's old and he was huge in WCW when I was younger. I don't know why he's back. Uh, Goldberg just squashed him and that is that. But Dolph Ziggler can make anybody look good. Dolph Ziggler could wrestle a cat with one leg and he would make the cat look good. Um, up next, we had Bailey defeated Ember Moon for the uh, to retain her SmackDown Women's title. No shock there either. Um, aside from Charlotte Flair, I don't know anyone who could, who really could take the title from from Bailey. Um, then we moved on to one I was very interested in. Now this this cat, Kofi Kingston, he has been grinding since twenty two thousand seven. Um, I remember when he first debuted in ECW, and I thought he was fantastic. I've always been a Kofi Kingston fan. Logan used to give me crap about him back in ECW days, WWE's version of ECW days, uh, back in 2007 when he debuted, and he was just a silly, stupid, mid-card Jamaican character. Flash forward to now, and he's WWE champion. He put in his time. He put in the effort. He waited. He was patient, and he did his job. He is proof that if you stay out of trouble, you keep, you keep grinding and you keep doing what you do best and you you don't cause drama, you're not hurt all the time, your time will come. Um, Kofi uh, retained his title against Randy Orton uh, via double countout. Now obviously this means that they will keep going with the storyline of Randy Orton and Kofi Kingston, but again, this was SummerSlam, one of your biggest pay-per-views and you do a double freaking countout. It's ridiculous. That's the second... Actually, yes, that's the second stupid finish uh, to the match so far that night. We had a DQ in the pre-show, and now we have a double count-out. No clear winner, but Kofi keeps the title. That completely or takes away the legitimacy of Kofi as a champ, that he had to win because they both couldn't get up. It was a good match. It was. But... That's just ridiculous uh, for a title match to end like that. So up next, uh, Becky Lynch defeated Natalia. No shock there, because number one, Natalia is a terrible character. She's a Nineheart. She's the daughter of Jim the Anvil Nineheart. He's a legend. She's a niece of Brett the Hitman Heart. Again, legend. Killer legend blood status. Terrible character. It's just, even if she's good or if she's bad, I don't care. She's just a bad character. She can't act her way out of a paper bag. Um, But she's a good wrestler, I guess, you know. But Becky, however, is fantastic. She really is the man. And I love that they are finally getting, that she, she is also proof of, by God, I am going to show you why you need me and why you need to push me. You can look over me all you want, but I'm going to jump as high as it takes for your eyes to meet mine, and I'm going to show you why I'm here. Becky Lynch has completely taken the world by storm and shown everyone what hard work is and what honing your craft can do. Um, Big fan of Becky Lynch. Um, and finally, the big finale of the night, uh, we had Seth Rollins defeated Brock Lesnar. Now, Seth Rollins lost the Universal title, which again, is a stupid red title that they added when the brand split, and it just means nothing now. 
Um, it's it's dumb. Uh, so Seth lost this title like a month ago, and he had beaten Brock Lesnar for it at Mania at WrestleMania, and then all of a sudden the Beast won the briefcase, Brock won the briefcase, and then cashed it in, and he he beat Seth, but then for the past month, he's been unbeatable, even though Seth already beat him. And then he, like, he beats Brock, and Brock's beaten and gone. And to be honest, like, if you watched in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know who Brock Lesnar is. If you watch today, you know who Brock Lesnar is. If you watch UFC, you know who Brock Lesnar is. Brock Lesnar could have lost last night, walked away, and not and, and never showed back up again. And I'd be completely happy with that. I think he is catered to. We all know that Vince McMahon wants him as like a sideshow attraction because he's this big freak of a beast. He's a jerk. First of all, and like in real life, he's a jerk. He's only there for the money. He cares nothing about us, our feelings, our opinion as fans. Cares nothing about Vince. Cares nothing about the company. He's only there to make money. And he's he's proved that. He's said that a thousand times. And he could never come back again, and I would be happy as a lark. And I know that my co-host, Josh, feels the same way. Most of the world now feels the same way. So... Um, that's how it ended. You know, Seth got the title back. Uh, if you watched Monday this past week, they are setting up a Seth versus AJ, which we've seen. Uh, so, yeah. Um, that was SummerSlam. Um, you know, I'd give it a 7 out of 10, I guess is what I'd give it. Um, some of the matches I felt were snooze fests. And useless, uh, but uh, may, hopefully when he feels better on our follow-up Friday, we will get uh, Josh's opinion. So, um, you know, uh, that's SummerSlam from this past uh, Sunday. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, take a break, and when we get back, we will have our sit-down with a very good family friend of mine. Uh, his name is Tim Horner. Uh, in the business, he was White Lightning. Uh, and he has traveled all over the world and uh, done a lot with multiple companies. And he's going to talk a little bit about that. So uh, uh, we'll see you nerds in a minute. What's up, guys? I am sitting down here with a family friend of ours and uh, kind of a legend here in the Morristown area. Uh, this is White Lightning Tim Horner. Uh, Tim, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited we got to do this. Uh, we're sitting in your office, which is really cool. Um, kind of a in-your-own-element type of thing. I'm, I'm in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. You know. Hey, it's an office, though. Um, so basically what I want to do is just kind of pick your brain a little bit, ask you some questions, because um, I grew up watching you. Um, I even got to see you live at the Tally Ward a couple of times, so... And I even had a, a white lightning foam finger. Oh wow! For a little while, um, I can't remember where it went. But um, if I had it, it'd be on my hand right now. <laughs> yeah, those, those were those were 
back then we were uh and i guess part of the smoky mountain and yeah and the just the regional things and so the uh the wrestlers got to sell their own merchandise so really yeah that was uh i had those and i had lightning bolts foam rubber lightning yeah. bolts, and and so those were those were pretty pretty popular back then so oh yeah oh yeah um, before we get started, I wanted to tell you a story about, and you talked to Dad a little bit about this, but how much of a small world we live in. Um, Dad and Mom live in Georgia now, and their landlord, uh, Mark White, um, apparently in the in the old days used to put the rings up, mm-hmm. and he got to put the rings up in a match you were involved in, and he said you came back to I guess what's Gorilla, and you said that was the worst chokehold you had ever been in. Mm-hmm. Who are you fighting? I think he I, said it was a Russian. It was it was probably Ivan Koloff. Ivan Koloff? Yeah. Uncle Ivan we called him. Yeah. But uh yeah, Ivan. He was he if if you got excited a little bit, you know, he he kept you under control. So it was <laughs> But he was he was a good guy. Good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uncle Ivan. So when did you get your start? Um I don't know if I've shared this story with you, but when I was a junior in high school I was at the Tally Ward. And Robert Fuller and the Mongolian Stomper were wrestling. Yeah. And we'd, we'd had a little league game, and we all was trying to look into the windows, and, and, and one of the police officers got me in. And so I was, we were just there watching the matches, and then all of a sudden I was trying to get in the ring, and he had me by the belt buckle. It was Jack Fleeman, and... and he got all over me and pulled me back there and the promoter came out and his name was Louis Tillette from he was French Canadian and he cussed me <laughs> in French and American and, and I was crying, I was, I was scared, you know, and because and, he said, Get him out, get him out, get him out and, and then Jack said, I got him, it's okay and then after the matches was over, um, he came out and he apologized for cur- cursing and, and mm-hmm. I said, It's okay, just I said, just don't call my parents. They won't let me come back. You know, and it was a thing like that. And he said, well, he said, what do you what do you do? I said, well, I'm I'm, a, I'm in school. I'm a, I'm a junior in high school. He said, what what do you do in high school? I said, what do you mean? He said, you play sports. I said, yeah, I play football and wrestle and run track. And he said, he said, uh, you got a lot of spunk for a little feller because I was about a buck sixty maybe. <laughs> and uh, he gave me a card. He said, he said. Are you what's your plans? And I said, Well, I hope to play football, which I did. I hope to, but didn't. And uh, so he gave me a card. He said, If you get up to two hundred pounds when you graduate and don't know what you want to do, call me, and I'll give you a tryout. And I carried that card for two years in my wallet. And I, when I graduated, uh, I got a job and went to Water State for a while, and then I decided to chase that dream. Hmm. And I called him and got a tryout, and that's how I got into wrestling. Wow. And what um, what all organizations were you involved with throughout your career? Well, I started here. It was the old Southeastern. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mid-Atlantic. And then Blackjack Mulligan and Ric Flair came in and opened up Knoxville again in 1981. And uh, that was where I really... Jack had asked me if I ever thought about doing it full-time. I said, that's all I've ever wanted. So he gave me my first full-time job doing it and I went 12 years and only missed holidays mm-hmm. without working back then it was the old territory days yeah and so 
there wasn't cable, so you could go in one place and nobody knew you, and you go in another one. And be a star. You, yeah, you, you'd be a star. And one yeah. Good guy in one place, bad guy in another, and nobody <laughs> knew about it, you know? So, but I went from there to Mid Atlantic, then I went to uh, Bill Watts down in Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, stayed, they told me I'd be there probably six months, that Bill only let young guys, you know, stay there about six months. And, and uh, I stayed 13 months and I left on my own because he, he liked me and he kept me around and I learned a lot there. Uh, then I went to Continental. Then I went back to um, Charlotte. WC, well, it was Georgia Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, no, I actually went to Mid-Atlantic and then uh, uh, they were going to try to give me a little break there and then uh, politics got in the way and, and so Jake Roberts at the time was booking with Ole in, in Georgia. Really? And so Jake said, I got a spot for you, which in that wrestling business means you're, you're figured in somewhere in a, in a, uh, angle. Yeah. So to speak. So I said, yeah, I'd like, I'd love to. So first TV there, I beat Hawk on TV, Road Warriors. And Road Warriors. In a singles match. And, uh, so I went, I, that was in uh, on Saturday morning, and we went back to Charlotte, Greensboro that night. We flew back to Charlotte and got on Greensboro because I was already booked on a show that night. And Ric Flair came up and he said, he told uh, Jimmy Crockett at the time, who was the owner of promotion, he said, uh, you know, the kid that you didn't want to give an opportunity here? And he said, yeah, well, what about him? And he said, he just beat Hawk on TV today. And he went, what? Because Warriors were the hottest thing oh, yeah. going at the time, you know? And so then he walks over and he says, so you're leaving me, huh, kid? And I said, are you kidding me? You, you didn't have nothing for me, you know, <laughs> other than me hanging around and be cannon fodder for somebody, you know? So so I, I stayed there for a while. Then uh, I went back to Louisiana, then back to Pensacola in the Continental, and then I went from there in, in 1980. I had a couple tours of Japan in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I went... WWF in 89 did a nine day European tour which was good uh, and then I went back to WCW at the time then came home and uh, the girls were starting to play sports and I didn't want to miss that I've seen too many guys sit in the dressing room and talk about their kid hitting a home run or something and not being there you know and so my girls were were athletic and then so I, I just I came home but then that's when Smokey started mm-hmm. in the early 90s and so did that and then um, pretty much just I did a lot of independent stuff uh, where you so, control your schedule yeah I did yeah. what I wanted to do and who I wanted to do it with yeah and, you know because there comes a point where you know I, I, I don't mind doing it but I, I don't want to get hurt doing it you know so but, and it was good, and now I'm doing the fanboys and uh, yeah, all the good stuff. So, so like, it's been a been a trip. I mean, what was the differences in like, say the the big named ones out of those that people will remember today is WCW and WWF. Um, what were, you know, what was it like? What who were the big, the big dogs when you were in the WWF? Was it Hulk? Hulk was there. Yeah, it was. Uh, Hulk was there, and uh, Honky Tonk Man, Greg Valentine. Uh, it was it was the 
Jake the Snake. It was yeah. the the animal thing. You know, everybody had a had a bird or a snake or <laughs> yeah. or something. And and uh, and I was just I actually the uh, demolition, mm-hmm. which Axis Mass, good friends of mine, wanted a young babyface team to come up there, and so Brad and I were going to go. And uh, then Brad decided he didn't want to go up there. He didn't want to travel as much. So I went by myself, not having a spot. Mm-hmm. So they didn't really know what to do. But instead of us being the tag team, the Rockers got the spot, uh-huh. which was Shane, uh, or, um, Shawn Michaels. Shawn and, and Marty Janetti. And so, uh, you know, you look back and you say, gosh, that could have been a, you know. Yeah. Would they be a Shawn Michaels now if... If Brad had went with you. Brad, yeah. You know, wow. You, you don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, of course, you everything can, happens for a reason. You can sit you know? all day and wonder. But, uh, yeah, that that was, uh, you know, so you... And I was just in the middle of the card, you know. Uh, Brad and I talked about it many times. You know, when you learn your trade and you and you, you're... What well, we thought we were good at it. Yeah, we we were more utility players, you know. When you when you can work on the opening match or the main event anywhere on the card. Yeah, and you can make guys look better than they really are. You know that was we were more valuable to a promoter and a booker. Yeah, doing that than it was. But you know, we thought we should have got more opportunities. Yeah, uh, we knew there was a ton of guys out there getting opportunities that couldn't wear our boots but yeah so like today someone that sticks out to my mind doing that is is Dolph Ziggler yeah he's someone who can make the biggest slowest guy look Look fantastic because of how he plays yeah um absolutely you said you were in WCW just well what became WCW and so like you had WWF on one side you know who were the big wigs in your in WCW? Yeah, in WCW. Uh, Sting was there. Sting was there? Sting was there. The and surfer Sting? Yeah. the well, yeah. Blonde hair. and Yeah, we we met them in Dallas. When when Brad and I went to Dallas in 87, uh, actually Jim Crockett brought out the UWF. Yeah. And so we went out there, and, and they were the tag champs. And we went out there, the first TV went 23 minutes on TV with them and beat them for the titles. And, uh, I mean, that was just... And they were gassed up. Him and Steiner. Steiner's like hitting a wall. I mean, yeah. you know. And I told Brad, I said, "We might have to fight these guys," you know, <laughs> you know, because they were just, you know, gassed up, and you know, it was. But it was good. It was all good, and we got to be, you know, good friends, and yeah, and all that. But, uh, but yeah, Sting. Sting was the. Sting was the franchise there when yeah. I was there. No, I mean, he was franchised for years in WCW. Yeah. Um, I got to meet him in uh, at Freedom Hall a few years ago yeah. uh, after he made the jump to WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I actually met him when I was a kid here at Twilight. He came as Red Face Sting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but he's he's a really nice guy. Yeah, good guy. He is. Um, out of all, out of... I hate to ask you this big of a question, but out of your years, who do you look back and say that was my favorite person to be in the ring with? Arn Anderson. Arn? Just like the the 
bring awareness and he was so good um and and if you've read his book i get he gives me credit for a lot he, he calls me his first mentor when um when i was in louisiana uh tony anthony the dirty white boy yeah we were there and then he when he while he was there we we, we had an apartment together and when uh, Lynn Denton came in as the grappler, then they put them together and they were the grapplers. Yeah. So they left and went to Houston, went to Texas to, to work. And so I didn't have anybody, um, I didn't have a roommate. So he came through, uh, it was Marty Lundy then. Okay. Is, is who he wrestled yeah. with in his early years. And, uh, you know, they offered him a job and they said, gosh, you look, you look like Ole, you know. So that's when we changed his name to Arn Anderson. And uh, so uh, I told him, I said, hey, you can move in with me, you know, and help me out. We weren't home anyway down there. I mean, yeah. we drove 3,000 miles a week. I mean, it was just crazy. You didn't have time to spend it. Even though you didn't make money, you saved money because you didn't have time to spend it. <laughs> Unless you was on the road. But, uh, I, you know, there's an art to this business which is totally lost anymore, you know, telling mm. telling the story. In the ring. In the ring, yeah. you know, and, and then, you know, we never, we never saw the guys because there was a kayfabe back then. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, you never saw the guys. You now I mean, it's dead. There, there's many guys, and I've, I've locked, gotten a ring and locked up and say, "Hey, how are you, sir?" You know. Yeah. Especially the you know the older guys, and I'd always ask the older guys to watch my match because I knew, I knew the business at that point where like if wrestling two came in and or. Um, flare because mm-hmm. they travel everywhere so they might get over there and somebody say hey I'm looking for a young kid hey I saw him down here you know yeah and so I, that, that, I parlayed that into working 12 years straight yeah because it was hard to go from territory to territory and not have a end somewhere so. yeah but uh, yeah Arn Arn would be my my pick from and I you know Harley just passed yeah and I wrestled can. Harley in 1981 in uh, Brantford, Ontario. Really? On TV. And uh, I never will forget it. He was a world champion then. And so I, I always tell people, yeah, I, were, I wrestled harder than he was a world champion. You know? <laughs> but it was, it was a TV match, you know, and it was, it was just a, you know, a fodder match. But, but anyway, um, we got out there and he, he, he asked me, he said, how long you been working, kid? And I said, uh, about, Two and a half years, sir. And he said, "All right." He said, "Just calm down. We'll be okay." So we we go out there, and and uh, heck, he started letting me do stuff, you know. And yeah. I was doing this to him. I thought, God, you know, because I thought it was just going to be a squash, you know. Yeah. He was a world champion. I wasn't nobody. And so we had it. We had it. It was it was a pretty good match, you know. Yeah. And we came back, and of course, I went over. And I said, "Hey, thank you, sir. I, you know, you you didn't have to do that." And he said, "Let me tell you something." He said. I could have went out there and just beat you up. He mm-hmm. said, but then what have I done? I hadn't beaten anybody up. He said, once I felt comfortable with you, then I made the people think that you did have a chance to beat me. I mean, he went to slam me once, and he said, he, he called small package, and I slid in, and one, two, oh, oh that kid on my, you know? <laughs> yeah. It was like that. So he gave me some credibility, and he said, now I beat somebody. And that was a lesson I learned early on in, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Cool. 
Well, there's a story that um, I think I heard on another podcast or a YouTube video or something where you got to wrestle Macho Man uh, one time. Mm-hmm. And he actually sang your praises. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, while he's, you know, the Macho Man. Yeah, um, he was... We were at a, It was in Boston Gardens. It was mm-hmm. a cable match. And we had about 14 minutes, you know, which is... You know, and he was... He was the second man to behind Hulk up there at the mm-hmm. time and so he said um, he said hey you know mate it's me and you you know hey talking and brother you <laughs> so anyway he said uh, you know they want they want me to catch you with the elbow you know off the top rope so you you set it up and we'll do whatever you want so I set the whole match up and he said you know that's it, so he said it's so easy for me you know and I said no you know Cause I remember, I always, I always learned early on if you were going to get beat, hurt yourself. Yeah. Just a lot of guys don't don't understand that, but you you hurt yourself. And, and I said, what do you mean? You know. So anyway, so he had Sherry with him at the time, scary Sherry. Yeah. So I said, do you want to use her in the, in the finish? And he said, Yeah, let's do something like that. So I set it up where. Everything he did, I I countered, and I was up on top. Finally, I just slipped on a banana peel, and he's whacking me, and then I made a big comeback, and we're doing all this, and and I had him sidestep me and shoot me outside. Well, when he shot me outside, I got up, and he, of course he drawing the ref, you know, and so ref goes with him. Well, Sherry comes up behind me and just shoves me head first into the pole, and I staggered out, and she threw me in, and he dropped the elbow on me. Nice, <laughs> you know, and uh, they went crazy over it, you know. Yeah, and and I remember him going to the back, you know, and they said, "Hey, that was, that was cool. That was a nice finish." He said, "That's the kid, not me." Wow. So yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. Yeah. That's cool, and that's the Sherry that became Sean's yeah manager for a mm-hmm. while. Sherry Martell. Yeah. Good girl. Golly, she was one of the boys. <laughs> so, what's your favorite memory that sticks out? Um, whether it's in the car with another wrestler, uh, in Gorilla, just anything. A favorite memory. I don't know that. It, it's a good. It, it, it's a memory that sticks in my mind a lot. I don't know if it was my favorite, but I when and I'm sure, I know you heard about this when uh, Paul Orndorff and Vader got into it in in at TV. I heard about it on a DVD. Oh my gosh! I was sitting there with with uh, in the locker room with Nick Patrick, and he's a referee. And uh, Paul was an agent at WCW, yeah. and so when you're an agent, like I was when I was in WWE, uh, you have a list. You you have a job to do. What Paul's job was to make sure everybody got to do their interviews. You know, you're up next. You know, so he came in. He tells Vader. He said, "Vader, you're you're up next." And uh, oh, yeah. so so Paul goes, and they're on Paul's butt because they're on the time schedule. Paul, mm-hmm. and Paul says, oh, yeah. comes back. He said, "Hey, I told you when I get ready, I'll be in there." And Paul says, "Hey, you know, da 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 da." So they, uh, Vader's walking down the hall, and, and and Paul's behind him, and he said, "You know, we got to get this done." And and Vader turned, and you know, Paul had, had enough. And so, nobody knew Paul was left-handed. 
I did. Brad, Brad and I did. We called him Pawpaw Paw all the time. And, and, and uh, Vader went, you know, Paul went like this to punch and caught him with an upper cut, and Vader fell like a tree. I mean, just <laughs> smacked. And Paul started kicking him in the face. If, if, oh! If he had if he had shoes on, he'd kill him probably. But had flip flops on, and, and his I mean his face swelled up like a pumpkin. He was bleeding everywhere, and I was back and forth. And I grabbed Paul, and Paul Paul turned around and said, "Get your effing hands off!" <laughs> said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and then later on, he said, "Don't he said don't ever grab me in a fight." And I said, "Because yes, you're next." I said, "Lesson learned," you know. <laughs> But but yeah, that was that was a big thing. I heard guys talk about it, and, and you know, wrestlers embellishment sometimes. Yeah. To tell different stories, but that, that was basically what happened. And, and you know, and it's when I hear people talk about it, I go, you know, I was there, and I, I saw Paul last year in Rome. We was doing a show there, and uh, Paul was there, and uh, you know, he's had some health issues, and I said. Um, I said, hey, how you doing? I said, man, I said, I said, I ain't seen you in a while. And I said, I said, I remember one of the last times I saw you, I was trying to pull you off of Vader, you know, and he, he started laughing. I said, I said, brother, that was a lesson learned for me, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, that, that was good times. You talked about being an agent. So like after the ring, mm-hmm. you kind of shifted into more of a backstage role. Yeah. Uh, what all were you affiliated with backstage? Well, we we sat in on the um, on the uh, production, mm-hmm. you know, the shows of Raw, SmackDown, and at that time we were doing ECW. Uh, Ted DiBiase and I were were agents mostly on the ECW, and so uh, we would sit in on what they wanted on TV, and then we'd have it. We'd sit down, and each agent there there was, you know, it was Dean Malenko, Arn Anderson, um, Mike Rotundo, myself. Um, Michael Hayes, I mean, there's just a lot of older guys, yeah. you know, there. So on on a television like a Raw, each agent has a match. Yeah. And so, you know, I'd get my match and then I'd sit down with the guys and, and tell them what we wanted and what we wanted them to do. And then you go in in a gorilla position, you know, and, and here sits Vince. And at that time it was Jerry Briscoe, he was doing the time. And then you sat here. And so you had headsets, and you had your mic went straight to the TV truck and the referee, and of course Vince could hear you, and mm-hmm. everybody could hear what was going on. So, you know, you'd you'd have to go okay. He'd say, you know, thirty seconds. So I'd say, hey, thirty seconds. We're going to commercial break. So referees, he's you know thirty seconds. And, yeah. You know, and then they kill it and they go to break and they can back up in thirty. You know, da, 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 live, live, live. And yeah. So he's, hey, live, live. You know, so the guys know where. Yeah. So it, it was an interesting job, you know. So between you and the ref, you're controlling the, the flow of the match, yeah. where the camera's pointing, where, you know. No, we don't We don't call camera shots. You don't call camera shots? They do that in the truck. Okay. Uh, we just call the action, you know. Yeah. What, so, and it was, it was challenging sometimes because, you know, if you, we, I know one match we had, um, we had it was a tag match, but they weren't like a tag team. So yeah. you, you got four entrances going yeah. in, you know. So that's that's four minutes. It was one of those uh, Teddy Long specials, <sighs> you know. And then and then you know you then the other teams coming out, and then you know, and all of a sudden you had eight minutes of match, and now you you got you got to create a, a a tag match situation where. 
they look good. They get you up. They are, you know, in, in two minutes. And yeah. It's just, it's just. Because the entrances it's, are already so yeah, long. <laughs> you know, and some of them, that's the best part of their match was the entrance. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, it was challenging, you know, to do some stuff. Did I, you get I, to, I really enjoyed it, though. Um, go on scouting with, with any people? Yeah. Like, did you, are there anybody in the business today that you found, that you helped find? Kofi Kingston. Kofi. He's a champion now. Kofi. One of my favorites. Kofi. I'm, Kofi was at uh, Arn Anderson. Well, I said, I don't think Arn went. Yeah, maybe Arn. It was me, Arn, and Dean, I think. Um, we were in Boston, and, and um, what's the guy's name? The old, old-timer that had wrestling school. I can't think of his name. But anyway, they had six or seven guys, and we, yeah. we, we were so we went over and, and watched them, and we gave them, you know, say, okay, uh, you got Rick, you're wrestling Rick Flair, and for the world title and you know you got guy in a minute interview go you know just put him on the spot and and he just he was doing the um the jamaican accent hey man you yeah. know how about you rick flair Woo, maybe we burn one in the back, you know? <laughs> i mean it was good it was you know it was it you couldn't put it on tv but it's it, entertaining it was entertaining yeah. it was good you know and he's very athletic and and uh yeah he is i mean every year got, the royal rumble back, shows out. john laurinaitis said Who'd you see? And he said, Timmy, who'd you see? And I said, uh, I said, uh, Kofi. I said, I, I, I think he's got something. I said, I wish he was a little bigger. But, you know, so uh, so they hired him. And he went to ECW first. Yeah. Showed up in ECW first. I've been following him since I've, since the beginning, I've loved Kofi Kingston, and I'm yeah. finally happy they gave him. I saw him in Knoxville a couple years ago, I guess it was, and I walked up and he said, oh, my brother. <laughs> I said, hey, you know, it was you, it wasn't me. I just put a word yeah. in. So. That's awesome. Um, so, you, do you do any part-time stuff with them anymore? Because I remember when I was freshman in college, um, there was a raw coming to Knoxville. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and me and my friends were really wanting to go. And Dad was just like, oh, you know, send Tim a text. You, I sent you a text, and you sent Steamboat a text, mm-hmm. and scored us some tickets, yeah. which was awesome. So, I know you like you still talk to them occasionally, yeah. people. Um, but do you do anything with them, or uh, is it all full time Morristown? Yeah, I don't. You know, I I stay in touch with. Those. Yeah. You know, of course, Arn's not there now. Yeah. Dean, Dean's left, and it's a shame. You know, it's uh, it's their loss. Um, but uh, you know, Arn's contract runs out this month so, so and there's a new look at AEW yeah you know so Dean's already there yeah so you know and, well and those of us that are like, like me and Josh and Logan we are really big fans of the story being told in the ring mm-hmm. and a lot of the flashy stuff that they are now into because the kids love it we jest about it a lot um we're we're thinking that hopefully AEW brings this old school vibe back. Mm-hmm. This not behind the scenes soap opera, you know, well, terrible camera the, angles the, and the the problem is there's no emotion in it anymore. Yeah. You know, if you go back and you look at an Arn Anderson interview with a horseman, oh my gosh. I mean, it was all cuz they didn't they didn't we didn't you know, you, you go up WWE now and it's, you get a you get a, a portfolio like this you know and it's of got lines to hit of lines that you got to hit and and uh, good lord 
Like I'm a theater but, kid, and that would, yeah, that would bug me. But you know, when when we were there, I mean, we, we, when we were at Crockett's, I remember one one time Crockett or Dusty, I guess it was, you know. And so we were standing, there, Brad and I were standing there waiting, and I think we were working with the Midnight Express in in uh, the Superdome in Louisiana, and they said, uh, uh, actually, we were the champions then, mm-hmm. you know, and they said, you know, when they called us out, they said, Lightning Express, Midnight Express. Uh, Cajun Dome, yeah, you know, or whatever it was, you know, 45 seconds, and that's all I told you. So we did it all on our own. It was we, more organic we, that we way. Ad, ad-lib. Yeah. You know. See, I, I'm a fan of ad-lib and improv. I love that. But your your emotion was in it instead of yeah. saying, okay, now we're, I gotta t- I gotta we're in uh, Louisiana, and yeah. uh, you know, so, you know and, and we'd look at each other and play off each other. Hey, bro, I can't wait we get back to Cajun Dome, you know. Yeah. Like, pretty ladies down there, and, and, yeah. you know, and just roll with it you know and and uh it was just it's just emotion was there and now you you can see them when they're doing their interviews it, it's almost like they're reading it off yeah you know and probably are on cue cards yeah. you know i don't you know and, and, but there's, there's just no the emotion is not there mm-hmm. and the matches are not there you know yeah you, you know? can see that they have points they have to hit there's very little room for organic feel in the ring yeah. it's just like you've got to hit this you've got to hit that those guys would set up there. I said, I said, you couldn't work the business 15 years ago. And they said, what do you mean? I said, we never saw the guy. He was on one end of the building. We were on the other. I said, yeah. you're all sitting here. You're going over. A Goofing four, off before. And what, you're, 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 you're going over. A, you've been here four hours going over a four-minute match. Yeah. You know? And I said, if y'all can't get it in four hours, they ain't going to get it in four minutes. Mm-hmm. You know? And they said, well, didn't you ever go over spots? I said, I very seldom knew what I was going to do except to finish. Yeah. All that, all they came to you went at the end and said, Hey, you know, uh Tyler's going over with a sunset flip off the top rope. Mm-hmm. That's all I gave you. And we you had, to we get had there. To, we had to get there. Here's your time. And I tell guys, I said, Here, it, it's like a puzzle. I said, Learn your pieces, then learn how to put the puzzle together. Yeah. It's the same story every night. You make the guy look good, you cut him off, he gets a comeback and you go into the finish. Yeah. The same story. You just yeah. tell it different every night. Yeah. And and I it, it just it's it's not that hard. Yeah. Guys make it hard, but it's not that. Yeah. Hard. So now you know you're full time here in Morristown. Uh, you're a council member, correct? Commissioner. Commissioner. Yeah. You're a commissioner. Um. Uh. And you've got your bond company. Mm-hmm. As well. Uh. So what all? What's you know now? What's the day to day for Tim Horner? Um, get up, um, you know, gym, maybe, every now and every other day, maybe, you know, court, usually three days a week, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sometimes you just sit around waiting on people to be stupid, Yeah. go to jail, and then, you know, get those out, and then, um, you know, we're in the process of building the jail here in the county, so that's... Yeah, working on that. Plus, the schools always got issues with the county. So, you know, it's just uh, it's just an opportunity that I saw that was uh, a chance for me to give back. Mm-hmm. You know, I love it here. People say, "Why'd you come back here?" Because I I said, you know, I've lived in Dallas. I lived in Charlotte three times. Atlanta mm-hmm. twice. Pensacola twice. Baton Rouge twice. You know, and I said, "Why'd you come back here?" I said, "You got to get away from it to appreciate it." Yeah. You know, I mean, my daughter's in Charlotte now, and, and she already sees, 
Yeah, I got to pay taxes on my car every year. And yeah. I, and I said, so it's not so bad here once, <laughs> you, once you get away, you know. And the, the, no the older in, you get, the more, you know, things just become stuff. Yeah. Nolan's in New York now, and he's he's learning a lot of, whew, it's a world of difference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but as you said, you know, you've lived here, you've lived there. I always think of, uh, you know, Dusty used to say, you know, I've dined in the alley with pork and beans, and I've dined with kings and queens. Kings and queens. Kings and queens. Um, but uh, before we end, um, my cohort is not here. He's he's under the weather. Mm-hmm. So um, didn't want to get you sick. You might kick his butt. So at the opening in service, I think it was last week or something, you were two rows ahead of Josh. And he really? said he was so tempting not to lean forward and go, hey, he lock have. up. He should have. <laughs> I told him, I said, you just should have said, want to lock up? Oh, I was like, he'd have given you a show. <laughs> you oh, know? Yeah. Um, but uh, any any chance uh, uh get to talk to you a little bit is always great. Oh. And, uh, you know, you, you went through the business. You know how big memorabilia is. And, and <laughs> I'm learning. Branding, <laughs> you know. Branding, yeah. So I brought a gift for you from us. This is a 30 and Nerdy Podcast shirt. Wow. That hopefully you will wear around. And uh, a koozie for oh, 30 and Nerdy Podcast. And uh, just hope that uh, maybe we'll get to sit down again one day and talk a little more in detail. Any, some stories and any, stuff. Anytime. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I have a lot of stories. And people have asked me, so why don't you write a book? And I thought, you know... If I really had a, thought I had an outlet for it, you know, like yeah. those guys who do the bestsellers or, you know, Vince's push. Well, the, you know, that WWE pushes them, you know. And, yeah. You know, if, if you get somebody to, you know, get one out there, you know, but it, it's just, it's just crazy. Uh, I've had some friends just who I've told some Andre the Giant stories and different, different yeah. things. Um you know, he said, "Hey, why don't you just come over to my barn and let me invite some friends over, and you just you just sit and tell stories." You know, and I said, "Hey, yeah, I'd be cool." Yeah, yeah, it was good. You know, was, but yeah, I mean, because it's it's a unique business. Yeah, it's a brotherhood. It's it's one of those deals where I may not have seen a guy in fifteen years, you know, and I'm gonna see him in August. Well, this Saturday, actually, I'm going to Charlotte for the Mid Atlantic reunion. Is really this Saturday. And so I'll be over there, and uh, but it's like you know after you sat there within ten minutes, you're right back where you were fifteen yeah. years ago. Yeah. So, but I've got some, you know, anytime I've got some other stuff. I've, I was a few different characters other than myself there, time or two, but you know. Oh, cool. Everybody tried to, you know, see how deep the water was at different points in their career. Push the so, gimmicks and different yeah, stuff like that. You know. So, uh, but anyway, I appreciate you. Hey, thank you very much, and I hope to talk to you soon. Sure. Meanwhile, back at 30 and nerdy. All right, and we are back. That was an amazing sit-down. I really hope to get to do it again soon. Thank you again to White Lightning and Tim Horner uh, for uh, talking with us for a little bit about the business. Uh, That was fantastic. So we got a little bit of time here for a QA. and a Got a lot of questions here sent to us. Uh, let's just jump right into it. John Hayes asks, who would play, uh, Bruiser Brody in a biopic? Um, Luke Harper. 
the other Wyatt brother with the black hair and the black beard. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Logan asks, favorite event you've ever been to? Uh, Royal Rumble 2010. I got to see Edge return at the Royal Rumble after like an eight or nine month Achilles injury and healing. And it was um, actually our best friend Logan Roach was with us. And uh, about fell out of his seat because he, he, he's a huge edge head. Uh, Brad asks, uh, favorite time in wrestling, uh, mine personally, is the 90s. Uh, I'd have to agree. Uh, the war, the Attitude Era, the Monday Night Wars, uh, you know, DX, NWO, Stone Cold, The Rock. Everything that had to do with the 90s was, was just phenomenal. Uh, definitely the, the 90s. Uh, Chris asks, who introduced you to wrestling? Um, it would be a mixture between my older brother, Christopher, and uh, my grandfather. Uh, see, my older brother, when he was younger, he had these uh, fighting buddy pillows, and he had Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan. And I had no idea who these cats were, and my grandfather showed me who they were. They were on TV. Um, and uh, he just... he. Uh, turned the TV on and uh, showed me who they were. Um, Lee asks, favorite match or moment? Let me give you both. Uh, match was definitely HBK Taker at Mania 25. Show-stopping match. Uh, moment was my first live pay-per-view. Uh, it was WrestleMania 24. Um, it was actually my first live event. I uh, traveled with Logan Roach. Uh, my dad and my sister, we all went down to Orlando, uh, spent some time at the beach. They drove around and enjoyed Orlando while me and Logan went to uh, the event. It was Ric Flair's last match. Uh, Shawn Michaels retired him. I was sunburnt, but still enjoyed it. Uh, Chad asks, what are your thoughts on the state of things now? Uh, well, I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um I'm not a fan with how Vince McMahon pushes certain people and runs the product. I really hope that this new upcoming AEW either pushes WWE to do better or just gives us a better outlet to watch. Um, I know that they are not going to reinstitute the Monday Night Wars. They're not going to be on Monday. Uh, but hopefully AEW and Cody Rhodes and the Young Guns and all them, Young Bucks, um, they uh, give us a good product, I hope. Uh, Blake asks, Dream Scenario. If you were to debut in the business, that's funny. Uh, that rem- I was actually gonna. Uh, if, if Josh were here, I was actually gonna play that game with him. You read my mind. Um, well, I think it begs the question. Uh, you know, obviously, my favorite wrestler is HBK. I think it'd be cool to enter uh, the business as his son. Um, I know they do the son storyline a lot, but I think it'd really be cool. Uh, or after today, uh, or after my sit-down with White Lightning, maybe the new White Lightning, Tim Horner's son. <laughs> um, Peyton asks, in a cage match, who wins? The Hulk, Wolverine, Batman, Superman, or Indiana Jones? Batman. And there's no... I mean, he's Batman. That's the only reason I need... Adam asks, thought on Bischoff and Heyman working under Vince so far? You know, they can be the executive all they want to. It's still Vince's product. He's, he'll micromanage the heck out of them. Um, 
However, if they are behind, you know, Kofi holding the title so long and pushing him, and if they are behind putting the title on Rollins, and if they are behind, you know, some of the title decisions, then they're doing fantastic. I love it. But I still think that uh, McMahon cannot go too long without micromanaging. Uh, Final question. Megan asks, what is your wrestling Mount Rushmore? Hmm... Well, there's a difference between my top five favorites and the Mount Rushmore, which is, you know, the four heads. I'd have to say Flair. Hogan. Shawn Michaels. And Stone Cold Steve Austin. Again, maybe that Austin spot you could... Switch out for Taker. Um, ah, shit, that's a tough question. But yeah, that's my best. Flair, HBK, Austin, and Hogan. That's my Mount Rushmore. Um, that's all the questions we had for this episode. Thank you so much for sending in the questions. I uh, hope you enjoy the answers. If you disagree with anything I say, please let us know. Uh, send us an email. Um, all right, next week, uh, hopefully... Josh is back, uh, and we are going to be talking a little bit about the world of theater, um, because we are both theater nerds, and uh, send in questions for next week. If you have a funny story from the theater world, uh, a rehearsal, a show, anything, please send them in, because I know a lot of my theater nerds uh, listen to this, and my fellow kids here in Morristown, and our our compatriots on the stage, I know you're listening. Send in your questions, your funny stories, your comments, your, your anything to do with theater for next week's episode. Send that to 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. Uh, thank you again to all of our sponsors, patrons, uh, everyone who listens. Um, and you know what? Um, I do have five words for my co-host who missed out on this episode. And I just have to say... Josh? You just made the list! You've been listening to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast with your hosts, Tyler McDaniel and Josh Davis. Brought to you by Encore Theatrical Company, Akiva Express, Creative Theater, and Advertising Expressions. Find us, follow us, and like us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit our website, 30andnerdypodcast.com. Got something to tell us? Drop us an email, 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. Until next time, cheers to you, nerds. Nerds.